Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the open water domination episode of the Effortless Swimming podcast. My name is Brenton Ford, and today we have a very special guest who is the world record holder for the Manhattan Island Swim which is a 28.5-mile race, which is 45 kilometers if you're here in Australia. It's a 28.5-mile race around Manhattan Island in New York. And they hold this event each year, but it's not open to anyone. You must be invited to compete, and they invite only the very best marathon swimmers from around the world. And the guest we have on today was invited to the world record attempt just a few months ago, and he managed to sneak under that world record time to be the new world record holder. And the guest we have on has also crossed the English Channel and he's competed in a series of long distance open water events. And he's one of the very best marathon swimmers going around today. And we are very lucky to have him on. And he's gonna talk about fueling your body for long distance races, finding your rhythm in open water. So if you're a triathlete or you do a lot of ocean swims, then it's important to find your rhythm during the race. And he's gonna talk about how you can do that quickly and settle into a good rhythm. He's also going to talk about the technique he uses for distance swimming. So it's not like a sprint technique where you've got a short, fast stroke rate. He's going to talk about what he does in training and in a race to get his technique right for the open water swims. Ollie Wilkinson has trained with my squad for just over a year. He's now moved to England where he's training and working. But when he was training with my squad in Melbourne, he was one of the hardest trainers we had. And he does some of the craziest sets I've ever seen some that I wouldn't want to attempt myself by any means because they're very long sets they're very difficult sets and you've got to have a lot of persistence to be able to get through them and he's going to tell you about some of the sets that he's done uh, in our chat with him so let's cut to the interview he's the world record holder for the Manhattan Island swim Ollie Wilkinson how did you get started as a swimmer um Oh, way back, way back when I lived and grew up in Liverpool in the UK, um, my mum took me to the local pool just to get us, you know, I was one of four brothers and um, she took us all down to get us to learn the basics of swimming and we got spotted by a local um, club coach who um, talked mum into getting us into club swimming and that was at a fairly young age, I think we were probably five or six or something like that and um, started doing club swimming in Liverpool and... Um, I guess that was the uh, late seventies, early eighties, or something like that, and um, just went from there. Club swimming. We we moved to Australia in nineteen eighty eight and um, joined Melbourne Vic Centre and uh, swam with um, Nicole Livingston and Michael Clem and uh, um, a few people around that sort of era, um, and did a lot of did a lot of club swimming, and that was that was the main thing. I got into master swimming. Um, after university and, uh, and it wasn't until then that I started doing a little bit of open water stuff. Just, um, my first job was in Adelaide and they, uh, they had a few ocean races in the summer. I started doing a few of those and quite enjoyed them. And, um, and that was it really, that was it for ocean water swimming until, um, 2009 when I, I started thinking, oh, I'd, I'd like a bigger challenge and, um, um, I've been thinking about doing a half Ironman or something along those sort of lines. But, um, I sat down and thought, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to train and spend all this time doing something, I might as well do something I'm half decent at. And uh, I'll just do, I'll just swim. I don't want to worry about the running and the cycling. 
So that's when the, the idea of doing the English Channel sort of came into my head. So were you always at a distance from that? In, in the pool I was really. 400s and um, 1500s I was better at than, um, than the shorter stuff. Um, not too bad at, at 200s. Um, but um, tended to get better results. Uh, 400 metres I guess when I was swimming for Melbourne Big Sender was, was probably my best. I just about got the national qualifying time just before I packed it all in. But um, um, wasn't tall enough probably to be a good sprinter. <laughs> <laughs> and what about your training schedule for when you've got your big events like the Manhattan Island Swim and the, the Channel Crossing? What's your training schedule look like? Um, I try and do between 45 and 60 Ks a week. Um, so I swim pretty much every day, uh, maybe have one easy day or a recovery day. Um, and... Uh, I do a mix of pool swimming and open water swimming. Um, with most sessions during the week are, are pool swims of a, a reasonable intensity, um, maybe sort of 5K sessions a couple of times a day if I can. And then the, the longer stuff, open water continuous stuff on the weekends, just trying to get longer um, tempo work in uh, on the weekends when I've got a bit more time. So I'll do two, three, four-hour swims on the weekends, that sort of stuff. And what's the hardest set you've done? I had a good set we used to do in Melbourne in, um, with uh, Peter Thompson. Um, we used to do 10 1Ks. And um, so it was a 10K set. So I did it with Peter and Chloe McArdle a few times. And we used to do K straight, K straight, 10 100s just to break it up. <laughs> then, 10, then a K straight, K straight, 10 100s and so on. And you, just, you do that until you've done 10Ks. And um, with people like... Peter and Chloe, you've got um, there's quite a bit of competition, so that was that was tough because you're pushing yourselves along for two and a half hours in the in the pool, um, and the pool stuff always seems to be more um, a bit more a bit more of a grind than the open water, which is um, a bit easier. Gee, that's a massive set. <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest set I've done was eighty one hundreds, and that seemed to take forever. And it's all right when it's broken into hundreds, but doing one kilometre straight. That's got to be a killer. <laughs> it was it was quite good sort of um, – I think it was quite good mentally because you, you, you're pushing yourself quite hard for a K and you're trying to hold the same times as the, as the session wears on. Um, and uh, doing it with some, some good swimmers always uh, pushed you along a bit. But I've done, you know, done six-hour open water swims, which are um, tougher for the other sort of reasons um, in the Melbourne Bay or down in Dover Harbour when I was training for the channel. Um, you know, and you're getting cold and you're getting bored and tired. Um, and in Dover Harbour, it's fairly grotty water as well. So uh, those, are, those, are, those are tough for different reasons. And how much preparation do you give yourself for the big swims? How many months ahead do you start to train for it? Um, it's varied a bit. Um, I've had a reasonably big sort of uh, build into most of the ones I've done so far. Um, the channel was about nine months. Um, that was from a a real sort of uh, base of, of not doing very much up to up to the English Channel, um, and since then I've sort of ticked over. I, I guess I I like to have um, probably a six month build into to the big ones that I've been doing. Um, some uh, some of the longer distance swimmers, Johnny Van Weesa, he talks about having a three month build up to his his big swims, um, but he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. Um, so probably six months. I'll, um, most of my big swims next year are 
sort of August, September, October time. So I'll start building up probably in sort of February, March time. And what about when you're racing? What goes through your mind for that six hours or 12 hours, however long you're in the water for? What do you think about? <laughs> Mostly I think about how I'd like to get out. Um, it's, a, it's a real sort of mental battle. I think some people talk about sort of zoning out and just sort of, you know, being in some sort of meditative state, but I've never managed to achieve that. I, you know, you try and you try and sort of stay in the moment a bit. Um, I focus on my technique, just trying to make sure that I'm I'm swimming efficiently. Um, you know, you do tend to sort of go through all sorts of mental phases where you're feeling tired and your shoulders are twinging and your feet are cramping and you're sort of uh, struggling a bit, and you just got to dig in and uh, tell yourself it's not over till you finish, sort of thing. Um, like I said, uh, in training sessions, I'll, I'll think about all sorts of random stuff just to sort of try and keep the, the time ticking over. But in, in a race or in a, in a big sort of uh, swim, you're pretty focused. You're sort of trying to concentrate on the moment and what you're doing, your technique, and making sure that you're keeping your tempo up and you're not sort of drifting off into um, losing your, your focus too much. But um, I have to say, it's not, um, it's not easy. It's a bit of a mental game. Yeah, I bet. And what about when you're when you're in the race? You, you've obviously got to have a pretty decent technique to not be, you know, swimming with really sore shoulders. It's obviously going to get sore, but you've got to have a good technique so you're not hurting after thirty minutes. So, what sort of things do you focus on, technique-wise, in training? Um, I think efficiency is is one of the things that I've always. Um, try to maintain when I'm swimming and, and I think I've always had a pretty efficient stroke. So, you know, a lot of it is, is being smooth through the water, um, getting your rotation going, um, making sure that you're, you're minimizing your sort of stroke count per lap. Um, I have quite a big kick, um, do a lot of sort of leg work, which drives the momentum as well. Um, but a lot of it is about maintaining a sort of a efficient stroke. Um, and trying to make sure that you're maximising that all the time. And when you are doing a, a big open water race, it's about getting into a rhythm. So you need to replicate that in training, getting into a rhythm that you can maintain um, and a tempo you can maintain hour after hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's even for the you know a 400 or a 1500 if you're in the pool, it's, it helps so much if you can get into that rhythm because if you're not, then you're just working an extra 10, 20% harder and it's, you know, your times generally aren't going to be your best. Yeah, that rhythm's important. And you're a vegetarian, so how do you go about putting on weight for the colder swims? Yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. In fact, I'm a, I'm a vegan, so I'm even stricter than a vegetarian. Um, I've, I've struggled. I, I, the most I can generally get up to is about 82 or 83 kilos, um, which I did for the channel and I did um, this year for the New York swims. Um and it's eating a lot of high-fat, high-calorie foods. Um, I don't even eat, uh, you know, sort of dairy products. So I'll have a lot of soy ice creams and crisps and, you know, good good fats as well, nuts and avocados, um, dark chocolate, anything that I can uh, eat that's sort of reasonably high calories, um, pizzas. <laughs> but um, I think I try and, I try and um, have the healthy fats as much as I can to, get the sort of weight on a little bit. I have to admit, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not anywhere near as chunky as a lot of uh, open water swimmers get, but, um, it's just about, it's just about got me through. 
<laughs> the channel was um, was not comfortable, but I managed to get there, so that's the main thing. <laughs> so you're at about probably just the the minimum uh, weight, I guess, the minimum heavyweight you could be to get through it. Yeah, I think so, and I think I I did suffer. I wasn't as heavy as a lot of people are, and um, I got pretty hypothermic in the channel and uh, it was pretty cold and that slows you down as well. So it's a bit of a balance. Um, you do want to be able to maintain the your core body temperature or your muscles start to stiffen up. Um, I was probably a couple of hours slower in the channel than I might have been otherwise um, just because I did get pretty cold and uh, had to sort of guts through it. Um, but um, you know, there's also a vanity component to it. You don't want to get too fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much weight do you lose after a, like doing the channel or the Manhattan swim? Um, I don't lose that much during the swim. I weighed myself after I did the English channel. I know a lot of people talk about losing um, you know, kilos and kilos in weight during these big swims. And I weighed exactly the same after the swim as I did at the start. Um, the funny thing was three or four days later, I weighed myself again and I, I dropped three kilos and... Um, <laughs> Someone, someone could probably explain that. I don't know whether it's you know an increased metabolism or fluid retention or what it is during the swim, but um, I didn't lose anything actually during the swim. I, I drink a lot of high energy drinks and I take a lot of high energy gels on. And I think if you're if you're getting the balance right, you shouldn't be losing too much during a, a cold swim anyway. Um, you're not um, you're not losing a lot of fluids. Um, maybe maybe more in the warmer climates, you might sweat a bit more. Um, but uh, I'm not quite sure of the, the physiology behind it but um, I think if you're getting your nutrition right um, you shouldn't be losing too much weight Yeah and what about the night before a race do you carbo load like a lot of people talk about or do you try and Oh yeah Yeah big carbo loading um, lots, of, lots of pasta um, I'll try and eat that uh, if I can four or five hours before a swim as well um, try and get as much sort of carbs in as I can before the race. Um, and that's pretty important. You've got to have um, good reserves there in, in place. And I think the nutrition during the swim is, is also really important, getting the energy in early. Um, I've sort of learned through trial and error that, um, um, you know, in these long swims you need to you need to be taking the food on fairly early on in the race and, and getting it in and, uh, and keeping it down. Um, otherwise, at some point you will definitely run out. <laughs> Yeah, you have to. How often do you stop for a for a jail or drink to to keep yourself going? Every half an hour, I'll stop and have um have something. I usually start with um uh, a gel and a drink at the half hour, and then at the hour just a drink, and then at the hour and a half a gel and a, a drink again. So I'll sort of alternate the gels hourly, but um I drink every half an hour. Um, and it's it's high energy. Drinks. If I'm doing an ocean race, um, I won't have electrolytes just because there's so much salt in the water anyway. Um, but if I'm doing a, a lake swim or a freshwater swim, I'll, I'll generally have an electrolyte, uh, high energy electrolyte drink. Okay, I haven't heard that one before. That's that's a good tip for the people doing the big ocean swims. And yeah, I don't think, I don't think it matters for, for shorter ocean swims. Even for rot nest, I, I generally have an electrolyte drink. Um, but certainly for for really long ocean swims, if you're in there for seven or eight hours, um, you don't necessarily want um, lots of sodium in your in your electrolytes. Um, there is the potential to 
get too much sort of salt in your system. So uh, they generally recommend for the long ocean swims, long sea swims to um, just stick to pure carb drinks. Yeah, okay. And what is it What is it that motivates you to do these big races? What's the what's the draw card because it's obviously a lot of training and it's it's hard work and it's i mean i can imagine the, re- the reward is great once you've finished but why why do you put yourself through so much pain <laughs> i quite enjoy i just enjoy doing different swims I, I enjoy doing um uh you know the challenge of doing something something different um and it is it is a bit sort of masochistic um I don't have any great plans to go back and do some of the, the long ones that I've done before again. I think um, the English Channel was definitely a once-off. Um, but doing doing a different swim in a different place is quite fun. Um, you know, New York is a spectacular swim to do. There's so much to, to see as you swim around. Um, and, the you know, the Molokai Channel is a fairly famous um, long-distance swim in Hawaii, um, 42K, so it's a sort of... Even a even a running marathon distance as well. It would be a fun one to do to finish up on the beach in uh, Oahu. Um, would be a, would be a sort of a good a good challenge. Um, there is a there is a sort of sense of you know pushing yourself, and I suppose you compare yourself to other swimmers as well, and you see um, what other people are doing. There's a big sort of open water swimming community out there. Um, there's a lot of big races and. Um, um, is what's called the Ocean Seven and the Triple Crown, which are a grouping of, of big long distance swims around the world. Um, and it's nice to take a few of the, the big ones up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think a lot of people would be wondering how do you fit this in around full time work because uh, you can't just you can't just be a swimmer. You've got, you've got to earn a living too. So how do you fit that in? Yeah, sadly, um, sadly, it's just a hobby, really. Um, yeah, it's a challenge with anything in life. You've got to balance yourself, haven't you? And um, uh, I, I fit in my swims before work, um, sometimes at lunch, sometimes after work as well, and then um, get the long stuff done on the weekends. Um, you got to look after yourself. Um, you can't afford to get too tired or too run down because uh, everything starts to suffer then. Um, it is a it's a bit of a balance trying to, you know, keep your priorities right and uh, make sure that all aspects of your life don't start to suffer. Um, you know, you've got to build these sort of things up slowly so your, your fitness and your tolerance improves as you go along. But, um, yeah, I, I've got a fairly busy full-time job and um, at the end of the day, I suppose it is a, it is a hobby. But, um, you know, if you enjoy it, then it's not too, uh, it's not too sort of uh, uh, draining or, or tiresome. So that's the aim of the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know you've got to go soon to, um, to go to work. So... Thanks very much for joining me on the the call. I've learned a lot, and it's it's good to catch up with you because I haven't seen you for a, a couple of months since you've moved back to uh, England. But um, hopefully, see you next time you're in Australia, and good luck for your Hawaii swim if you can organise that. Uh, Thanks, Brendan. Yeah, year. I'm looking forward to looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to being back in uh, Easter, getting a getting a few PowerPoint swims in. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, and yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, Brendan. Cheers, mate. This has been the Open Water Domination episode of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you've done some crazy sets in your time, go to the swimmingpodcast.com website and put it in the comments section. Click on episode three, which is the Open Water Domination episode, and let us know any difficult sets that you've done. 
whether they're sprint sets or long distance sets like Ollie's done, let us know. And don't forget to rate the podcast in the iTunes store. And we've got a new product out, which is called the World's Best Swimmer, where you can get some free training for that at worldsbestswimmer.com, where we talk about the technique used by elite swimmers and also some of the strength training that they do. So you can get that at worldsbestswimmer.com. Tune in next week for another interview with a very special guest. This time, not talking about marathon swimming, but something else. You'll have to tune in to find out who it is and what they're talking about. But we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.